Well, here's a question some of you wish you could have written to me. Perhaps the listener says, Dan, I have more business than I can handle. What's next? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. So what do you do when things are so good you don't know what to do? When so many people want your product or service, you're just overwhelmed in trying to deliver it. Are there options? Yes, there are. And you know, surprisingly, you may think that, well, a lot of people are struggling right now, and that's perhaps true. We hear about that, but there's a whole lot of people who are thriving right now. So we got some stories here about those as well. Those are going to be part of our success stories today. But here's some of the questions that we're going to be dealing with. Well, one of the responses was, I invested $48 to start my landscaping business, and now I'm making $1,000 a day. Somebody asked, one of my consulting clients wants me to become their employee. Should I do it? I'm an RN midwife doing over 100 births a year. I've already turned down 67 this year. How can I leverage my position? Now, that's what I want to unpack. I want to share some things that will relate to what a lot of you are doing right there. A guy says, now I'm 90 years old and on top of the world. Next one says, I'm 80 years old. How can I best help the temporarily sheltered teenagers in my town? How should I use the questions at the end of each chapter, 48 days to the work you love to maximize my value? So lots of meat, lots of fodder. We want to jump into those in ways that hopefully will help all of you. That's what I do here is answer you, the listener, questions. You can shoot those into me anytime you want. Success stories, I love getting those as well. We got some real doozies today I want to share, but you can always send your questions in. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan, and you'll see an opportunity to do that. Now, you notice uh, more people have left audio questions recently. I want to play several of those today, and if they're short and sweet, we'll do that, but we kind of changed how the microphone was visible, and it obviously made a big difference because I'm getting a lot of those in. Our quotation today comes from Benjamin Disraeli. I love this. I've used this so many times over the years, who said, the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. Boy, we could just, oh, we could just unpack that with stories and stories and stories about people who changed their view about just giving handouts and changed what they were doing to really equip the people they were trying to help rather than just making them dependent on handouts. Well, that's a story for another day, perhaps. Resource for today is Acres of Diamonds. Now, I gave this last week. We had a lot of response to that, and it's just appropriate to share it again relative to some of the things that I want to discuss here today. So again, if you go to 48days.com slash acres, you'll see there, it will ask for your email. And if you're already getting our newsletter. Don't worry about it. Just put it in again. It, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. I'll take you right to the page where you can download that. Um, so anyway, that's how we're going to get started. Now, last week I talked about the fact that I, well, we, well, two weeks ago now, two weeks ago now, I guess we went through the responses to when did you encounter an obstacle where in overcoming it, it led you to a better opportunity. So we had some wonderful, wonderful stories. And again, thank you to all of you who submitted those. They were wonderful. I selected um, 
four or five that we shared on here. Actually, I think it was six or seven that we shared on here and awarded the $100 prize that was given to me by a listener who just said, hey, create a contest and give this away to somebody, somebody who just appreciates the podcast. Uh, it's not uncommon. Christmas time, we get gift cards to restaurants and lots of cool things, and I'm very appreciative of that. Of course, we don't um, charge for the podcast. We want it to help you and help you make the world a better place in your own unique way. But we gave that $100 prize to James Adamo from Kampala, Uganda who said that when his dad died, it was like a real wake-up call to him. He was devastated that his dad died, but he started asking himself, you know, what am I doing to create a legacy? How are people going to remember me when I'm gone? And he started working with youth through the school systems there in Uganda to help them with their positive thinking, emotional health, using principles from 48 days. So I said, hey, how can I send you the money? I said, give me your PayPal or Venmo account. Well, he says, I don't have either of those. And uh, I said, well, what about Cash App or MoneyGram? And he says, well, use MoneyGram. So I, I registered for MoneyGram, set up like an account to be able to send James the $100. And then it asked for a wallet mobile number, which is different than just your phone number. You have to be set up. Well, he was not set up. And I says, you know, when our son Jared was in Africa for years in Rwanda and Kenya, we always use Western Union. Are you close to Western Union Station? And he says, yeah. So boom, I sent it to him. He got it about you know 20 minutes later and everything was fine. But then I got a note from him just yesterday. says, hello, Mr. Dan, hope you're doing great. I utilized the $100 prize to establish connections with two schools to explore and introduce storytelling clubs. These are groups in schools, learning institutions, targeting the youth of between 15 to 24 years old. He says, my target is to reach out to 1,200 academic institutions in Uganda by 2012, 20th, or 12th, oh, by, by December 12th of this year. Wow, that's aggressive, 100 or 1,200 academic institutions. 48 Days has relevant existing excellent tools and systems that are beneficial to employees, employers, teachers, and students in academic institutions, particularly to the storytelling clubs that will be formed. The aim is to train youth to have the right mindset for success in life. Um, I can, it is possible. Mind, I, I can, or yeah, having an I can, it is possible mindset. To inspire, encourage, motivate, and train youth to think in their own self-discovery, find sustainable solutions to life challenges, making the world a better place. So he goes on, and really a lengthy response there, and also a proposal that we would partner with them, that 48 Days would partner with him to expand his vision for what he wants to do. So I'm going to look at that. I mean, we love to get ideas like this, where people are really doing worthy things. I've got another question today that addresses that as well, from a gentleman who wants to help some of the youth that are coming here. You know, we've got people coming in from southern countries. We've got people coming over from Ukraine at this point. So he wants to, you know, how do you help these young kids who really need to get a start here? So I got some more on that. But eh, if you got ideas about how we might do this with James from Kampala, Uganda, I mean, I'd be open to that. I'm going to look through his proposal. He's proposing something that would be about, well, it would be about $1,500 a month over a period of six months. So that'd be what, $9,000 to kind of help him feel what he wants to do here. So I'll look at that carefully. But again, I appreciate your, the work you're doing, James. I'm delighted to have made a, a little dent in that by giving you the, the prize last week. So I you know, hope that your work there continues to grow, thrive, and prosper. 
Got this note from Mark. It says, Dan, thanks for your recent podcast on positive thinking. It was fantastic, something I really needed. In a world that is presented as dark and fatalistic, you are a lighthouse that brightens up the night for everyone, including those not interested in career advice. Best of luck in the future. Keep cranking out that great content. Respectfully, Mark. Well, thank you for that. I got an audio here I want to play. This comes from Andrew, and it's just, it's just kind of amazing in so many ways. So check this out. Hi, Dan. I'm outstanding in my field right now, thanks to you, dot, dot, dot. I was recovering from cancer and was listening to your podcasts, and I decided to start my landscaping business again that I had when I was a teenager. I was 55, looking to restart my career and recover from my journey. And with less than $48, I started a landscape gardening company. Right now, I am making approximately 1000 a day when I'm working, which is great. So uh, I have to thank you for that, overcoming that obstacle. I also started painting each day. I'm a landscape painter and art professor by trade. So I started that as well, built my Facebook group from 250 people to 5,000. Over the last few years, I sold over 500 paintings. I opened my art gallery this weekend, finally, and have three commissions of up to $12,000 in total. So that's on track as well. So I must thank you for your inspiration, your words of encouragement, and your podcast each week that help to overcome the obstacles that I was facing. Well, Andrew got cut off there. It went to the one minute, 30 second mark. And apparently that's the length of an audio you can leave there. I'm not sure if it is. I need to check that out. But anyway, he could have gone on. I was fascinated listening to him. Struggling with cancer, but maintained a positive attitude. Took $48 and started a landscaping company, and now he's making $1,000 a day. Wow, and then as an artist, I sold over 500 paintings. Wow, this guy's leveraging every skill that he has in just really unique ways. I mean, that's that's a great example by just taking things you already care about, things you already know about, that you're passionate about. That's the best place to start, even if it seems like something ordinary, like landscaping. I mean, anybody can go to Home Depot, buy a lawnmower, and say they're in a landscaping business. But if you really do unique, creative things, then you can stand out. You can be extraordinary. So Andrew is a great example of that. Again, thanks for sharing your story, Andrew. I need to check out your site and figure out how you're doing some of these things. I'd love to hear your ongoing story. Now, I got a question here from from Noah, who's um, young, 21 years old. But this is a really interesting kind of scenario, and some of you may be confronted with an opportunity like this, so check out Noah's situation. Hey, Dan, my name's Noah. I'm 21 years old, and I just wanted to ask you a quick question about some stress I've been experiencing at work. I'm a podcast consultant and offer white label services for marketing agencies. I love this relationship because a marketing agency will offer an additional service to their existing clients, and I have a steady stream of clients and income. I've been doing between seven to $9,000 a month income-wise, but one of my clients, a gorilla client that makes up about 40% of my monthly income, is actually on a monthly retainer relationship with me. And um, they've been hinting at 
me becoming a full-time employee. They've been saddling me with more work every single month that is just beyond the periphery of what we agreed to. Normally, I wouldn't mind, but it's been pretty consistent, and I fear it'll just keep up and be getting worse, and therefore, the work I'm doing for other clients will suffer if I oblige. Um, What should I do? I fear if I have a conversation with a client, they'll fire me outright and replace me with a cheaper freelancer. Um, You know, it's one of those things where the work that I do for them is easy, but they've been, and I enjoy doing it, but they've been saddling me with more work consistently. And if I have a conversation with them, I fear the relationship will be dead in the water. Um, What should I do, Dan? Curious your thoughts. Thank you so much, my friend. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for your, your question, Noah. You know, 21 years old, man, you're crushing it. Awesome. Way to go. And working as you're describing gives you so many opportunities to be in the driver's seat. Now you're confronted with this temptation, perhaps, to become an employee, to just switch and go with this person who is now your, your client, but uh, just be an employee with them. I would cost you against doing that, but let's, let's take a scenario here. Let's say that you make a proposal to them that you will provide them at, at a rate of $4,800 a month. Let's just use that. And you're allowing up to 40 hours of work per month with that. So you just establish, okay, here's a framework. So you're not going to be paid hourly. We're not looking for that, but it's a $4,800 flat rate. You said about 40% of your income and you said you're, you know, at like $9,000. So $4,800 for them. And that allows up to 40 hours of work per month. So that'd be 10 hours a week. And then say, you'll be happy to take on additional work at a rate of $150 an hour. That's going to be more, you know, than what we're talking about there, $150. That way you leave the door open to continue a great relationship, but also not to be taken advantage of. And you can resist any temptation to join as an employee where you would immediately establish a ceiling on what you can earn where they just lock it in. Now, I have people who are on the kind of relationship that I just described where we have a flat monthly rate, but then if there's an overage beyond what we kind of agreed to that their responsibilities would be, and these are people where I don't get hours from them. I don't see how many hours they work to fulfill what we previously agreed to. But once they go beyond that, then they bill me for that monthly, an invoice. Now, this requires a great deal of trust. I don't go back and look at, you know, again, what kind of time they spent. That's not it at all. So it's based on a lot of trust and clear expectations on the front end. But you're set up perfectly to do that. And then if they give you a lot more work, let's say they give you, they start piling on another 40, 50 hours a month of work, and you can sub some of that out. With what you're doing, you know, there's probably things that you can parcel out and have somebody do that where you sub about 30 hours of what you would be billing at $150 an hour, but you're paying someone else who you're supervising $50 an hour who would be thrilled to have the work. I mean, very legit being done by countless professionals. So you set yourself up with the best of every option here where if they overload you with work, you sub that out and you make work on the work that's being done. If you agree to join them as an employee, then you really do open the door for a truckload of work where they just say, okay, now that we're paying you full time, you know, we're going to give you work that would require 80 hours a week to legitimately complete. Well, great, great situation. Yeah, I I would structure it as a continuing consultant, but make allowance for base amount of work and then the overage that would benefit you and them as well. 
All right, now this comes from this comes from Anna. And this is an example of Acres of Diamonds. I talked about that as a resource. Go there. It's where sometimes you find your best opportunity right under your nose instead of going across the country around the world to try to find it. Wow. This is Anna's situation. Hello, Dan. Thanks so much for all you do. I've been a big fan since soon after your first 48 Days book. I've listened to all your podcasts, hundreds and hundreds. Previously joined, well, you should join 48 Days Eagles. She says, I don't think my question applies to your show as I've never heard anyone with even a remote type situation and I feel weird about my question, but I've wanted to ask your advice literally for several years already. Well, Annie, your question is not weird. It does apply. It's a beautiful setup, a beautiful example of what do you do when your business is so successful you can't handle all the requests for what you do. What a wonderful situation to be in. So Anna continues, in a nutshell, after working 20 years in the hospital as a labor and delivery nurse. I'd go home every day so upset about all the interference done to women who are laboring naturally and want to do birth naturally. Uh, Don't get me wrong, there's a time and place for medical intervention, but in normal healthy women, that is rare and can be spotted quickly and then transported to a hospital as needed. But after several thousand home births, I have never had a life and death transport by God's grace. I went back to school and became a nurse midwife in a solo practice. There are very few out-of-hospital midwives due to the intensity of the pace of home birth midwives. You don't punch a clock. You stay with that woman until she delivers. Prior to COVID nationally, this really intrigues me. Prior to COVID nationally, there was about 9% out-of-hospital births in the United States. Now it's up to 24.9% according to the latest stats. The demand is incredible. My dilemma is that I'm not as young as I once was, and I can't keep up much longer. I've been an out-of-hospital midwife in solo practice for 20 years now. I'm currently doing about 100 births a year. In the last three months, I've turned down 67 ladies who wanted me to be be their midwife, but I'll still be doing nearly 100 this year. Due to the demand and interest of those who are not nurses, the North American Registry of Midwives has developed criteria for women to become midwives through study, and intense apprenticeship program and rigorous written and clinical testing. This prepares a woman to be a certified professional midwife, which has become one of the requirements for state licensure in many states in the U.S. Now, she goes on from there with, with more details. She says, I love teaching. That's my passion. I've wanted to transition to teaching for years. I prepared a midwifery curriculum, but I don't know how to kick it off. I've helped a few other people start up their midwifery practice. Um... And she says, then in closing here, she says, on a recently listened to podcast, you said, if your business can't make money without you, it's not a business. You're self-employed. Ouch. That hits the nail on the head. I'd like to make the same income, at least, without staying up all night, rubbing the backs of ladies in labor and seeing clients all day in the office. I also extract herbal products to sell and make about $8,000 a month doing that. But again, that doesn't run without me. Thanks so much. Sorry, this turned into a pistol. It's just such a unique situation. I need to paint a clear picture. Anna, I love this. Anna, I mean, I got all excited reading this. What an amazing opportunity. I mean, the fact, here's one of those COVID-fueled businesses where before there were about 9% of hospital births outside of hospitals. Now it's up to 24.9. That's an incredible increase people are concerned about going to hospitals because of the infections that are there and doing home births, which certainly in other countries has been common for years, not so much so in the United States. I think this is an amazing opportunity for you to move into that training 
position where you could do videos, courses. Now, it doesn't matter if the, what is it, the North American Registry of Midwives. I mean, they have criteria, but that's going to require a lot of training. You could fill that gap for the training. And the thing is, even if they have the requirements, and I went to their site real quick, it's you know very complex. If you just make it easy for how somebody can walk through those requirements, you can be totally on the outside of their regulations and still thrive as an independent person helping people position themselves as midwives. You know, we, we have in our 48 Days Eagles community, uh, Colleen Law. Colleen is a PhD, but she's in the academic system. And so she's used to that, you know, very mediocre income that people get as academic instructors, professors. But she also saw a need, and that was students who are going through master's programs who never finished their thesis and thus ne- never actually got their degree. People in doctoral programs who had finished all the coursework but never did a dissertation. And she said, I can help these people. Now, the university provides all the training, all the resources to do that, at least they think so, but people get stuck. She provided help to walk people through her program. It's six months. It's $5,000. She stays maxed out with 18 students that she's rolling through, and she just had her 100th person actually get the degree that they were working on. I mean, what an amazing success story. So here she is just outside the university systems and yet providing a service that helped people thrive in the university system. I think you're right on top. Now, I'm going to communicate with you more and about what you're doing here because I think you're sitting on top of an acres of diamonds. I think you're sitting on top of a gold mine. If you, With your experience, with your vast experience at having actually done this and your ability to train other people, I think there's an opportunity there for you to, tra- to create you know, courses, certification programs on your own if you want, helping people get registered and the requirements that they need to be state certified, and then in the marketing to market potential clients so you have a funnel for that and get revenue from that as well. I think you'd set up eight or eight or 10 different revenue streams based on what you're talking about here. And I'm going to shoot you a note personally to, to help you give some more ideas about how to do that. Hey, thanks so much for your laying that out. I hope that's a, a situation that a whole lot of people are in that they're seeing the opportunities there for how they can expand how they can leverage what's already right there it's not a matter of you know going from the 60 hours a week you're already working to 100 no don't do that you'll compromise other areas of your life but how can you leverage the knowledge rather than just doing what you're doing how can you share with others how to do what you're doing that's where the riches are now here's another question from daniel who's in a, a somewhat comparable kind of situation a little bit different let's listen to this hey dan I've been a licensed mental health counselor for the past 10 years working at the same company. I've maintained a really busy caseload over the years, but it has been fed through the insurance company referrals, which pay substantially less, about one half the typical market rate for counselors in my area. I'm beginning to struggle with burnout, working 50 hours a week at this. Many counselors typically see 20 to 25 clients a week, and I'm often seeing closer to 40. If I opened a self-pay private practice, I would increase my cost per session to that of the market rate in my area. Also, I don't have a non-compete agreement, and I could take my existing clients with me if they were willing to follow me. 
My fear is that no one would follow due to the increased price and that future referrals would dry up without the insurance company referrals. What are your thoughts on transitioning from a lower, steady stream of income of business to a higher paying stream of income? What pitfalls should I be watching out for in this transition to become a solopreneur and maybe even using some of that extra time to build some residual income streams? Thanks for your advice and for your wisdom. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Well, I can really identify with this so much because we have worked with so many coaches who are in similar situations where they're working in insurance-funded programs and then wanted to move out. It is a transition when you move from insurance-funded clients to self-pay. There's a different mentality. People engage more. They act more. They implement. They do the work. It's uh, actually a delightful transition. Now, that being said, I'm not going to ask you to just uh, burn the bridge with where you are, but I think you can do an incredible transition. So you're talking about a continuation of the kind of work that you're doing now. So it's not something brand new where it's risky and all that. It's just a different kind of model for how you would be doing this on your own. I would encourage you to use our 15-hour-a-week transition process. It fits perfectly. Don't do anything different with what you're doing, but for the next six months, use 15 hours a week to have your own personal clients on the side. You already said you don't have an on-compete, no problem there. So just carve out those 15 hours that you could have open, available for your own clients. So you start recruiting those. Start talking to people that you're already working with to see if they will transition over the new model. Now, not a whole lot of them will, perhaps, but that's okay. Identify what are you going to do to position yourself in your marketplace, in your area of specialty for counseling? Do you need to meet with people face-to-face or can you do it over Zoom, you know, virtually like that? So, Identify what will your business really look like, but then 15 hours. Now, with that, you'll be establishing reasonable rates. So instead of the $40 a session or whatever, you're being compensated now through insurance, and you're charging 125 So yeah, it's going to be significantly more. And in using that 15 hours, see if you can get up to 50% of your current income by doing that. If you can generate 50% of your current full-time income using 15 hours on the side. And we've had many, many people who have walked through this process in exactly this way. Then you know, then you can have the confidence you can make this work. Because surely if you then use the balance of your time, you could easily fill the other 50%, replicate the other 50% of your income and beyond. And I would suspect, now I, I can't imagine having 40 clients a week. My goodness. I mean, I never had more than, you know, I, I would never schedule more than 15 to 20 hours of coaching in a week, even when I was doing that full time. The emotional energy it requires and then the follow-up work, administrative things, I just can't imagine going on beyond that. So I think you can do your clients a favor by servicing them with more emotional energy of your own by having fewer clients, fewer hours, increasing the rates back to the normal that the market really um, allows. And I think you can do that. So that's what I would recommend, 15 hours a week, six months maximum. Now, you don't want to be doing that for a long period of time where you're working full-time and then doing that. But I think that before six months plan, I really suspect that in 90 days, you're going to see you're able to do this, replicate 50% of your income that you're currently getting and see how you can make the full transition. Great question. Golly, keep me posted on your progress. 
All right, here we got a couple more to go here, but I want just to duck in here again, remind you that these are questions coming from you, the listeners. I feel honored to be able to receive those, go through those, sort through them, and select some where you can unpack them together and all grow together here. So send those in. You just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave your question there, share your success story, share resources for others, all those kind of things that you can do right there. Now, here's another one. Here's really one that was left over on overcoming an obstacle. I just thought it was um, so straightforward and just so sweet. I wanted to share it here anyway, even though we kind of wrapped those up a couple of weeks ago. So this is from Dale, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Says, I have been a speaker trainer all my life. I finally strike it rich. I find my acres of diamonds. It's an enrichment program for families and children called Every Kid a Winner. I'm doing it in community schools, civic clubs, churches, even talk shows. They're eager to have me. Um, response has been fantastic. Things are great. And then they aren't. My wife, Mary Jo, just isn't herself. The doctor speaks five never to be forgotten words. Your loved one has dementia. Instantly, life lurches off its planned path, never to return. I stumble into a maze of hows. How do I care for her? How do I enhance our love? How can I do my programs? How do I handle my confusion, anger, and hopelessness? I slam into dead end after dead end, but I gain experience with my Mary Jo. Suddenly, I burst out of the maze. Mary Jo gives me a real-life laboratory that equips me to guide other caregivers. This elevates my lifelong role as a helper of others to brand new heights. Now, I'm 90 years old and on top of the world. I'm honored to be in my second decade of solo care for Mary Jo. And now I get to be a helper, mentor, and guide for scads of others who care for loved ones with dementia, Alzheimer's. Life is rich and so rewarding as an insurmountable obstacle becomes an unequaled opportunity. Dale. Wow. Thank you, Dale. Thank you so much for sharing that. Boy, you're going to be my new role model. I want to be able to say I'm 90 years old and on top of the world. What a cool thing. And what a great example of taking a a very challenging obstacle with your wife and seeing in that even an opportunity to love her well and to help other people know how to love their loved ones well in addition to that. Wow, just what a a great story. All right. Hey, just uh, let let me grab a couple more here. I'm going to go to Eli. Now, Eli is going to share about his situation, and how he wants our help. And you're, you're going to have a chance to, to give us some help on this as well. So let's, uh, let's listen to Eli here as he tells us his story. Mr. Dan Miller, my name is Eli, a member of your 48 Days community for years. I am 80 and still working. What resources do you have that would allow me to bless the temporarily sheltered kids we have with some presentations about how to start businesses with little or no money. They are ages 6 through 18. You may contact me. All right, then he gives me his contact information. We've already followed up and given him some resources. So here he is, 80 years old, and he wants to help the temporarily sheltered kids in his community. And I love these stories of people who are our kindred spirits in this 40 Days community, people who, who care about those who are struggling. 
And rather than just um, seizing the only opportunity to increase our own success, no, how can we help those around us be successful? And as you know, you know, I'm, I had a longtime mentor, Zig Ziglar, who said you can get anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. So here's a great example. So how can you help these kids that are coming in? So let's just take a 16-year-old who's here, not going to be plugged into the school system. They came from another country, a country south of us, perhaps, or a country like the Ukraine, where we're getting a lot of kids coming over now. How can we help these kids? Now, here's the deal. These kids, to tell them, gee, go work at McDonald's, you know, and make 10 bucks an hour, that's not really a way that they're going to thrive and be able to care for their families and others around them. You know, even if it's $13 an hour, $14 an hour, it's tough to make that work. The best opportunity, and we see this played out so many times with people who are immigrants, is they start businesses. I mean, just explosive. I mean, they do it again and again and again. Sometimes like, gee, how did they see that opportunity where, you know, we did not see it. But there are those opportunities, and that really is the best way to help these. And it doesn't matter if somebody's 12 years old, a kid, you can show them ways to do this. I've got grandkids that have done amazing things, doing face painting at markets and doing wood carving and making poppy seed muffins and selling their little art prints online where there's repeated orders for them. You know, breeding snakes and selling the offspring for $1,000. I mean, there's so many things that kids can do these days. But the first thing I'm going to do, the first thing I sent to Eli, was our 48 low or no cost business ideas. Now, this is a resource. If you're an Eagles member, it's free. It's a free resource in there. Just go to courses, scroll down to the bottom, and you'll see it there. You can just open up the PDF. I mean, if you're not an Eagles community, just go to 48days.com and shop. I mean, it's inexpensive, but you can get it this afternoon, a PDF. But in there, I've got things like a caricature artist. I mean, these are real ideas that I've had, you know, experience with, either being on receiving end or providing myself, but a caricature artist. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. You don't have to have paid for academic background or anything. If you really have those, that ability to sketch, I mean, you can make a hundred dollars an hour doing that. And I've got examples in, in 48 days or 48 low or no cost business ideas about people that are doing that tree carver. You know, I had a lady come out and just carved an Eagle out of a standing tree. I mean, if, if somebody has the ability to do that and a lot of people would have a basic ability and could just develop that to do something like that, I mean, I paid her, I paid her $1,000. I think she was there for two days doing it. I paid her $1,000 to release that eagle that we had on our property up in Tennessee. Kettle corn, I mean, one of my favorites, uh, that is going to street fairs and festivals on a weekend, kettle corn. I mean, there's always a line a mile long because the smell is so alluring. You can't stay away. Kettle corn, the material cost is very, very low. So you get to be known as the go-to person for that. Street fairs like that? Wow, there's that. I mentioned in in their piano tuning. Now, that's something that you would never have a a guidance counselor suggest that you grow up and do. You're not going to be in your third year of college and meet with a guidance counselor and they say, you ought to be a piano tuner. No, but you know what the deal is? It's estimated that every third house in America has a piano and pianos should be tuned once or twice a year. Now, you tell me, how many people do you know who are piano tuners? They're very, very few. What do they get? Well, I, I know a guy who charges $70 per tuning, 
tuning, and he normally does four or five a day. So you can do the math on that. $70 per tuning. It's a real, it's a pleasant environment. He loves the people that he gets to see. Does four or five a day. He gets $70 each for those. So that'd be what, $350 a day if you did five of those. I mean, it, and it, the, the market, the market opportunity for this is just exploding. Now I jumped online and did a little bit of checking around for what does it take to actually be trained? I mean, there are video tutorials out there, but actually to be licensed to get training and certified as a piano tuner, there's a course, um, American School of Piano Tuning. I checked into that. Well, their course is $1,490. Well, I went on, looked at a couple other places. Guess what? I got a pop-up from American School of Piano Tuning again. says, hey, I know you were looking here. We got a special going on right now. You can get our course for only $745. <laughs> you know, how would you like to be trained to have an opportunity where you can make three, four hundred dollars a day and it costs you seven hundred and forty-five dollars to get trained? That's the kind of thing that's out there. I mean, window washing. I worked with a lady one time whose husband had walked out on her. She had four little kids, and you know, she said, gee, I can go get a job for twelve dollars an hour as a secretary, but that's not gonna work. I said, No, it's not. I said, go to Walmart, buy a bucket and a couple squeegees, and go up and down the streets where you live and offer to clean store windows. She did that, took a couple of her kids with her. She instantly was making $50, $60 an hour in doing that. Window watching, I mean, house cleaning. We had a couple wonderful gals to come to our house every other Thursday and uh, clean our house. We pay them well for that. The, The hourly compensation is pretty stinking high for what they do. Walking, walking pets, you can go on house painting. It doesn't require any training. If you do it well, people are going to want you to do that. Taking care of plants, plant rental, bicycle repair. That's an idea that my 14-year-old son did. He went back when he was 14. Just simple kind of service. And he could effectively you know, make 100 bucks a day doing bicycle repair. Graffiti removal. Well, anyway, I'm going to put in there. I could go on and on. I love this. The, the things that you can do to help these kids are pretty endless. And I'm going to put not only a link to 48 low or no cost business ideas in the show notes. If you go to 48days.com, go to our website. I'll have it there in the podcast show notes. 48 low or no cost business ideas, as well as links to about 10 different other sites bizkids.com, $100 startup, you know, other, other things, you know, how to make money as a kid. I've got other links there. So if you go there, you can just access those. They're just sites you can go just scroll through and see all kinds of things there. Well, I, uh, I love what you're doing, Eli. I love your heart for helping these kids. And I think you can really make a difference by just being a resource for them. And we're going to help you out all we can by providing these resources where you can direct them to things that they really can do. And then you can act as a, as a mentor for them, you know, guide them a little bit, get them together on a Saturday morning, half a dozen of these kids together and kind of run through ideas and figure out what fits. They can, even at that age, choose things that align with their talent and passion, do something unique. All right. Lynn says, at the end of every chapter in 48 days to the work you love, there are countdown to work you love questions. What is your vision for how readers should use these questions to get the best experience from the 48 days process? Well, great question, Lynn. Thanks for that. The process is to not just read the material. Don't just read 
48 days. I mean, you can sit down. I mean, it's 240 pages. If you read at normal speed, it takes about six hours. You read it from front to back. But that's not likely to make the changes. The reason we talk about 48 days is because that gives you time to really assimilate the principles. So if you go through it in that way, the 48-day seminar process is six weeks. It's six two-hour sessions. We could cram it in to one afternoon, but the six weeks means you learn a little bit and then you implement that. You digest it. You make application to your own life. You do the introspection. You figure out what are your skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? What are your values, dreams, and passions? You have time to ask other people, get input, and really reflect on it. So do that. So the reason there are countdown to work you'll have questions is so that you get the application. So it goes deep into your heart and soul and where you really can change your thinking if you need to. You know, there's a lot of people who who read books. One of the things I did last week in the 28 ways to stay poor is read a lot of books and then do nothing. You know, I hear a lot of people just brag about the number of books they read and it's like, okay, what did you do to take action? What did you do to change your life? That's what I want to know. Don't tell me how many books you read. I want to know what principle are you working on this week that came from a book that you read recently? Now, I read lots of books, and I absolutely love the process. But again, I'm not reading them just to uh, put them on a list or stack them in my office. I mean, the only reason I read is to discover new ideas that I can experiment with and implement. I mean, I, I can't identify much of anything I've ever done that didn't come from reading a book about that idea first. And without question, reading has been my greatest source of inspiration and guidance. So don't be guilty of just reading for reading's sake. And thus the process in 48 days is not just to artificially slow you down, but it's to make sure that you really get the principles that are going to change the direction of your life. Well, hey, that's, that's the... That's the process. Again, great question. Thanks for asking that. We're going to wrap it up there. Again, if you got a question, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. You can leave it there. Again, you hear the success stories. Never get tired of those. Believe me, never get tired of hearing those. Thanks for sending those in. Or if you got a resource or if you know a way to help Eli with the kids that he's working with, or James with the kids that he's working with. If you want to be a sponsor for what James is doing, we'll connect you. I mean, that'd be a reasonable kind of thing to do. I mean, um, Michael McGreevy uh, connected with a gentleman from Pakistan here a while ago, and he ended up funding a school in Pakistan where he now, you know, all the kids have uniforms, they have teachers, materials. He just had a heart for what the guy described that he was doing. And uh, if you want to be somebody like that, and help James out with what he's doing in Uganda, that'd be really cool. I'd be delighted to connect you, put you together there. Remember our quotation from the day, Benjamin Disraeli said, the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. You know, Thanks for being the kind of people that I know you are. I meet you around the country. I'm going to be uh, traveling in the next couple of weeks here. I'm going to have a chance to meet some of you and interesting meetups. we got meetups coming up here in Florida where I live. And then again, in um, got a big one coming up in Dallas in August. I'm going to have a chance to meet some of you. So thanks for those kind of connections. But thanks for being open to growing and being a powerful force for making the world a better place. These stories we've heard today are great examples of that. And a lot of you are doing that commend you for that 
and for believing without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Talk to you next week.